Welcome to the Propane Business Podcast. I'm Johnny. And I'm Yusuf. We set up and built propanefitness.com into the profitable semi-automated system that it is today, which allowed us to quit our corporate jobs and coach online full-time. More importantly, we were able to do this without a huge online audience or being glued to social media every day. We're now ready to share everything from the failures we've made to the systems that now consistently generate hundreds of thousands in revenue. We help personal trainers, coaches, and gym owners do the same by avoiding the mistakes we've made and the best practices going forward. Subscribe to this podcast to learn what we're doing and what we've done to build and scale propanefitness.com. We'll be teaching you how to generate a steady flow of online clients, win at Facebook ads, automate your coaching systems, and to achieve financial independence. Good morning. I'm once again between night shifts, so I'm operating on quite a little sleep, and I'm sure if I listen back to the recording of this podcast, I might realise that I'm just not speaking in actual sentences. So cut me some slack, all right? Anyway, today I want to talk about how we gained 3,000 followers on Twitter in the last four months. And yes, that's not a massive amount. You'll certainly find people online that claim to have gained a million followers in three days and whatever else. But what I want to share with you is a reliable strategy that doesn't rely on luck and can be applied to any platform, not just Twitter. Before we start on this as well, it's important to know that organic media fits in within a wider strategy. So don't be looking to gain your following for the sake of it if you haven't got a converting offer. If you're stuck on where to start in the game of traffic versus conversions, then begin with conversions because then you can drop traffic into the top and convert a consistent sale rather than having a large amount of traffic and nowhere to send it. So with that said, we are not experts in growing organic media and traffic and PR and all that kind of stuff. We're not natural TV presenters. We're also not hypey kind of people. And so for a long time, we really resisted the whole game of social media and focused on paid traffic and building a small dedicated following. But there is definitely untapped potential that you can get without having to sell out, without having to kind of glue yourself to social media. And we work with people, we work with um, business clients who have built much larger followings than us. And then once once they add in some of the conversion tactics, they absolutely fly because they've got this large dedicated following that they can then fill up their programs very quickly. So there's a huge advantage for you to do it, um, even if it's not at a huge scale. I think one of the big shifts that we experienced was stopping trying to be clever, stopping trying to think like, oh, I don't like social media because blah, blah, blah. And just thinking, you know what, we just need to play the game. I'm not denying that Social media has a major psychological impact on us all, and it's a double-edged sword. Yes, it connects you with really cool people and allows you to generate a personal brand and following and clients and so on, but I think it takes more than it gives, particularly if you're a consumer. And we've seen big rises in teen suicide and anxiety and kind of comparison, misery, and all that kind of thing from social media. So it's really important that you make sure to minimize your stress by not only picking the platforms that you want to grow on, but also curating your feed 
making sure that the type of media that you consume is not something that's going to stress you out. Make sure it's enriching stuff only or valuable stuff only. I would avoid things like hustle porn because it's only going to constantly make you feel inadequate. Now, does that mean that you can only operate on one platform? No, like you can use multiple ones, but don't be a willy about it. And I think the don't be a willy principle applies to many things that if you're going to really focus on Instagram, then if you're going to have other platforms, like repurpose as much as you can, don't try and do a full-blown strategy on all fronts because you're not a social media agency. You're a coach, you're a trainer. So you have other things to be doing and this only fits in as getting people in the front door. And so don't use the fact that like, oh, but I'm, I've got to spend six hours a day on Instagram because it's, it's work. That's a very dangerous trap. And you can create most of your stuff offline so that you're not stuck or attached to the platform. Speaking of attachment to the platform as well, in the long term, realize that things change. TikTok didn't exist before last year, and now it's massive. So you've got to be a bit nimble. I'm not saying you should go and do TikTok, but we have to be aware that as things change, if you are, you know, all of your eggs in the Facebook basket, and then Facebook starts to go down the drain, you're going to have to say like, okay, what's future-proofed? What can I use that's a similar platform to that and has a similar type of audience on there and pivot? Okay, so we've covered the selection of the platform and putting in the barriers for your mental health. What about the system that you're using? I would always say, don't try and create while you're on the platform. The platform is not built for creators, it's built for consumers and it's engineered for you to waste as much time as possible scrolling and engaging and liking and all that stuff. And you, as you know, if you've seen The Social Dilemma or um, interviews with Tristan Harris, this is the work of thousands of data engineers on the other side of your screen that are trying to get you to, um, to sink your day into that. So create as much as you can offline once you've developed a voice and a process and the kind of content that you want to be doing, which we cover in one of our previous episodes, I think about 10 or 11 episodes back now, then create a system where you batch create content, either once a week, once a month, even once a year. That's what I personally did. I had a string of night shifts a few months back where I just brought my laptop and scheduled out 430 Instagram posts. It wasn't very fun, but it's very nice to know that Instagram is just handled for a year. And you can definitely do this. You've got stuff on your hard drive already. You've got thoughts and articles and things that you can repurpose and turn into relevant content for the platform. So if it's Twitter, it's obviously creating a concise, um, polarizing way to state your views. If it's Instagram, it might be just photos or training videos or infographics and if it's email, long form text, for example. So just be aware of the type of media and how that matches with the way that people consume content on there. So where were we? This is the problem with 
doing night shifts and operating on 5% brain. Yeah, so we've talked about the developing the system. And when you're creating your voice, it's okay to copy the style of another person. But copying the content is not only wrong because it's a bit scummy, but it's also ineffective because that voice is never going to be authentic. So explore the the ultimate explore styles with the ultimate goal of finding your authentic voice because that makes things so easy for you then to create content because you're working in alignment with your principles and the easiest way to do that is to write whether it's short or long form whether it's journaling or public writing doesn't matter just get your thoughts out on paper because then you can start to form clear and articulated values and worldview that you can then draw on and then the content becomes easy because you already have those things clear and you can just have little writing prompts that allow you to write various um, things that resonate with your audience. So writing in itself builds your writing skill, crystallizes your values, clarifies your thoughts and then you can take that versatility and say right how complex does this need to be for my audience. And I found a really good diagram that covers kind of a trade-off between complexity and audience. Now, unfortunately, in this day and age, people's attention span is very short. So you get the largest audience with the lowest complexity. And that's why TikTok is the natural conclusion of social media evolution. Super short videos with very kind of flashy and um, dopaminergic type content. So that's social media with things like quick consuming social media right at the top. As you go down the audience ladder, <laughs> the audience ladder, so less audience but more complex, you then move on to things like media interviews, blogs, data visualizations, commentaries, um, roundtables, long form podcasts, and then you get like policy briefs and fact sheets and um, peer-reviewed journal articles and systematic reviews and those kind of things. And that's where you only really get the more niche audience because it's highly content, uh, highly complex stuff. So you've got your selection of your media. You have a system for creating the content. And if you're, if you're wanting more information on that, make sure to listen to that episode. Um, the next step is really just showing up just consistently writing good content. And the way that I do that with Twitter to avoid being glued to the platform is writing offline. I just have a note where every time a thought comes to me or I'm mulling over an idea or something, I'll jot it down. And either I'll jot it down in Twitter format, so less than 280 characters with a bit of the stylistic things that you need to do with Twitter or I'll just write some concepts down and then in batch we'll create the tweets. Very quickly you can write 150, 200, 300 tweets. Um, Nick Walsh has done this, who we interviewed on the podcast a few months back. And so he's a propane business client who has smashed it last year. And he's taken this to heart. He wrote, I think, four or 500 tweets in a night, which is perfectly possible if you have your values clarified. And so he's now at 10 or 12,000 followers without having to glue himself to the platform. So without impacting his mental health, 
So you've got the showing up, you've got constantly delivering good content, using the feedback and seeing what works, seeing what doesn't, doubling down on it. Make sure as well that the type of content you do is in sync with your brand. So your bio, your personal brand, your photo, you need to develop a bit of social media empathy here and look at your profile objectively as if it was someone else and say, would you follow you? And I think one of the biggest mistakes that personal trainers make is they take themselves so damn seriously. Like it's just social media, like be a bit silly about it. You know, post the occasional sarcastic thing, like post some self-deprecating stuff, like some memes or whatever, just make it fun because people are not on social media to learn about the intricacies of leucine metabolism. They're, they're on there to have a bit of fun and they want to resonate with you as a person and ultimately hire you as a coach. And people will hire you if they like you, if they feel like you're a fun person to be around. So my process in a nutshell is that I will look over my notes. I've got various notes that I've scheduled, that, that I've um, whittled down into kind of a set of values that lend itself to writing on Twitter. I'll then write the tweets either in bulk or as I go along, quite often they come in the in the form of shower thoughts and stuff and they are usually the, the best performing ones, funnily enough. Like you can pour your heart into something and it tumbleweeds and then you post something like I posted the other day and it was the most popular tweet we've ever done. Uh, gym wear is socially sanctioned lingerie. Like I thought it was just a bit of a silly thought, but for some reason it was, it really hit the Twitter button. Like it was polarizing people liking it, retweeting it, arguing about um, all the different contingencies in, in that statement. It's the perfect cocktail for that kind of thing. So I think we talked a while ago about, oh yeah, we did with uh, Jose Rosado a couple of weeks ago about polarizing and not just optimizing for outrage. Don't just write things to piss people off. Like if you have an opinion, commit to that opinion, be strong about it. And yes, like don't try and cover the, all the possible eventualities and nuance of it. You can leave that to the comments because that's actually the thing which is going to drive the momentum of that post. You want people to be picking holes in your argument, not just from an intellectual perspective, but from an engagement and growth perspective as well. Then I repurpose. So I might look at some of those concepts and say, what would work well as a blog post? What would work well as a podcast or a video? Or what articles can be fed back into other forms of media? We've written so much at this stage that we rarely have to write new stuff because we've got 550 videos, 450 articles, 300 podcasts. So we've basically scraped the barrel of a lot of stuff. And quite often it's about finding the intersection of ideas that haven't been covered. Following that, just schedule them out. And the tool that we use is Social B, which allows you to schedule things across multiple platforms. If you're interested in that, we have a 20% discount. Um, it's the software that we use ourselves. It's pretty low hassle because you can just upload stuff in a CSV file 
and it handles the rest. And I think just the time saving of not having to be constantly on the platform and posting that stuff means that it's well worth the money. So that is it for how I gained 3,000 followers on Twitter over the last few months. We've hit 1.5 million impressions this month. Um, things do gain momentum and ultimately it's about finding the platform that you want to grow on, learning what are the rules and what's the game that you have to play with that platform, getting your ego out of the way, limiting the impact that it's going to have on your mental health and then just showing up, doing the work and making sure that you can convert off the back of that. Hopefully that was useful. I would love to hear if you have anything that you want us to cover in more detail. So please just get in touch either through Instagram DM, Twitter, podcast review, whatever. Let us know what you want us to cover and I will speak to you soon. Want to learn more about the systems we use to run, build and scale propanefitness.com? Head over to propanefitness.com forward slash business podcast and you can get your hands on our free training that covers the seven steps that we take with every client that we help build their own online business and also the seven steps that we use to successfully build Propane Fitness. We walk through the sales systems, the delivery systems, follow-up, remarketing, how to basically build your program so that it delivers coaching to your clients without you being there 24-7. We really do cover the full thing, right? And if you want to continue even further and potentially work with us, there's a chance to book in a call to have an informal chat with Yusuf or I to just basically see if any of our programs would be a fit to help you get from where you are to where you want to get to. So go to propanefitness.com forward slash business podcast today and get access to that. If you'd like to learn just more about Yusuf and I, more about us, what we do, follow us on the various channels, the best place to go is our YouTube channel. We have a load of stuff from fitness content, productivity content, why Yusuf slept on the floor for several months, why he's been having cold showers. There's always stuff on there that's entertaining and hopefully informative. So just go to YouTube, search for Propane Fitness, and you can find out a bit more about us there as well. Speak to you on the next episode.